Are you ready to live the life that you want? It's time for the Dream Big Revolution with Leanne Hilgers. The next hour will inspire you to find health, wealth, and happiness. Success is straight ahead. And now, here's your host, Leanne Hilgers. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Big Revolution. We have an amazing show planned for you today. We are talking about defining your purpose and goals. Do you want to discover your passion? Do you want to live your life purpose? Well, I'll tell you what. We've got Dr. John F. D. Martini on the show today. You, you know him from the movie The Secret and some of his many, many publications, including The Breakthrough Experience. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what the Dream Big Revolution is about. The Dream Big Revolution is about you getting to live your dream life, and you do that by helping other people live theirs. So do this by getting very, very, very clear about what you want, and then write it down, and then start breaking it down into smaller and smaller steps until you can figure out something that you can do that takes less than a minute that you can start doing today that helps you realize your dreams. Stop wasting time. Get what you want, live your dream life, the guts to succeed, you've got it. Stay tuned because you are not going to want to miss a minute of the show. Dr. Demartini is considered one of the world's leading authorities on human behavior and personal development. He is the founder of the Demartini Institute, a private research and education organization with a curriculum of over 72 courses covering multiple aspects of human development. His trademark methodologies in human development, the Demartini Method and the Demartini Value Determination, are culminations of 37 years of cross-disciplinary research and study and utilized in all human development industries across the world. Dr. Demartini travels 360 days a year to countries all over the globe where he shares his research and findings in all markets and sectors He is the author of 40 books published in 21 different languages. He's produced over 50 CDs and DVDs covering subjects such as development and relationships, wealth, education, and business. And he has created over 72 different courses. Dr. Martini, are you with us? I am. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing great. I just uh, arrived in Toronto yesterday and I last night, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, we were just talking about how you travel, and you t- you travel all the time. Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I, I like being nomadic. I like to. Uh, I love being in front of people as I travel the world and meeting people and helping people around the world. I think for me, I, I love to travel. I always have, and and I love. I'm a homebody, but then after a while, then I start getting the itch to to be traveling again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say the universe is my playground, the world is my home. Every country is a room in the house, and every city is another platform to share my heart and soul. So I always feel at home wherever I am. It's there's so many amazing things to see and experience, and it absolutely changes your perspective when you can meet people from different cultures and different countries and see um, the wonders that are out there. Now, we met actually several years ago in uh, Calgary, Alberta, and you were giving a seminar there. And since then, you've been on my show several times. Uh, We have some YouTube videos that are on my site. 
and if anybody wants to see them, you can go to my YouTube site. And um, it, it was just—it's just been wonderful having you on the show so many times. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, one thing that I love is you when you mention about living a dream and helping people live purposely. Um, this has been my dream since I was 17, and I'm almost 56 today, so I've been doing it a bit. And and all I can say is that there's nothing more inspiring than watching the light bulbs of other individuals when their hearts open and their minds are clear and they they see a vision of what they would love to do, and then they find awakened strategies to inspire them, get into action, and do them. And seeing the results of people's lives changes, well, that that's what makes me tick every day. I love to see people when you know it seems when you know you've made their heart skip a beat. Well, that's, I don't know about an arrhythmia, but I, I, do, know, <laughs> I do know that uh, when the hearts are open, the minds are clear, and the body's in action, magical things occur. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's fulfillment in life, for watching people do that. That's, for me, I mean, everybody's got a different area of values that they have. But to me, that's what fulfills me. That's what inspires me and brings tears to, of gratitude to me in life. Now, we're today talking about goals and purpose defining your purpose and your goals, and so it's, it's really appropriate that you brought that up. And we're, you're very clear about why you're here. I'm very clear about why I'm here because I love helping people, and, and it's you know, my mission to help people realize their dreams. And you're very passionate about writing and speaking and research, and I've heard you say that many times. What makes you so passionate about this? Well, you know, I, I was told when I was in first grade by my first grade teacher in front of my parents that I'm afraid your son will never read, write, communicate, never mount thing, never go very far in life. I had dyslexia, and I had, you know, challenges in the learning. And um, when I was told that, I was told to go into sports because I can, I can run. But I didn't realize I had any academic capacities until I turned 17 when I met an amazing teacher who inspired me one night in one hour with one message, and he believed in me more than I believed in myself, and he believed that I had a genius inside that was sitting there not harnessed. And that day, meeting this gentleman, this elderly gentleman, I saw a new possibility for me, and I went out to try to learn and overcome reading and learning capacities and and problems and started on a journey of developing my mind and my uh, capacities to read, learn, and teach and, and research and so my life changed at age 17, and that was 30, almost eight years ago, and that's pretty well ever since that time I've just wanted to research, write, travel, teach. The very things I was told I would never be able to do is what I now are blessed and inspired to do. And that that truly is, you know, what a wonderful gift it was that you met him, and, and uh, you know, we all have people that step into our lives and, like you say, believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. I just want to make a comment. You were talking about dyslexia, and I researched learning and cognition for many years. <clears throat> and for anybody who has a learning problem, often learning problems are not associated with your intelligent level. Well, you know, I, I think I was good at learning how to, uh, you know, help build surfboards and surf in those days. So I, I, I mm-hmm. knew how to learn. I just didn't know how to read. Mm-hmm. And if I read, right. I would twist words and I would pronounce things, you know, poorly and didn't have any comprehension. But I learned if, if I if you showed me a pretty girl, I I could learn how to run after her if it makes any sense. <laughs> so so I, I had I, I had learning capacities. It just wasn't the same formal educational things. 
So when I found out that I really had a desire to learn and I had to overcome that, I had to go and read dictionaries. And my mom used to make me memorize 30 words a day and pronounce them properly and recite them and describe their definitions. And I just had to, it was a slow, tedious, step-by-step process. But today I've been blessed. I mean, I read voluminously and I write voluminously and I travel and teach voluminously. So, you know, I'm so grateful that I had that void and I had that that turning point because I don't think I, I think if I'd have just been you know an average reader as a, co- a child I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today. It was that void that actually was a, a gift in the long run. Mm-hmm. It must have. I am just I am amazed that you read. I, I'm often amazed when we talk. I am amazed that you read dictionary with dyslexia. That must have been. Was slow. I can't imagine what that was like. I, 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 I figured, I, I, I remember one time when I failed, I, I tried to go back to college. I took a GED, a high school equivalency test, mm-hmm. and um, I guessed and passed just by guessing. I, I, can't, I wish I could, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I just, I, I literally was like in my mind just going with my intuition. I didn't even know how to read half the words and the statements and questions, and I just guessed. I figured I got nothing to lose, and I passed. And um, then I tried to go to college, and I took a college t- entrance, and I somehow passed that. And I went to college, and I failed. Very first class, I just failed flat out. Got a 27. I needed a 72 to pass. And when I got that, I was devastated. I thought, well, maybe this is just a hoax. I, I really do have a learning problem. I, I'm never going to do this. And my mom saw me crying in the living room because I'd failed. And she's the one that turned me around by by saying, son, whether you become a great teacher, healer, and philosopher and travel the world like you're doing, like you want to do, and, and, um, or you end up back on the streets as a panhandling bum and a surfer, I just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what. And when she said that, there was something that came over me that I, I really felt sort of an unconditional love for a moment, and I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to do whatever it takes, travel of distance, pay for the price, to do what I want to do, and, and I want to learn and master this thing called reading and teaching. And I, you know, hugged her, I locked myself in my room, and I got a dictionary and out, and I said, I'm not going to stop until I have this dictionary read. And I literally went through dictionary and then encyclopedias. I read eight complete sets of encyclopedias over the next few years, just trying to expand my mind, vocabulary, learning, everything else. And now, I, you know, I read every day. And I'm just, I'm just a neurotic reader because I, I realize I could. And so if anybody's out there and they're thinking that maybe I've got challenges, maybe I've got setbacks, or maybe I don't have what it takes, I'm telling you, whatever you've gone through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're experiencing, you have inside you an amazing capacity to break through any of those things and get on and doing something extraordinary and amazing with your life. I'm certain of that. And people need to hear that because they may be doubting themselves, but just know that Absolutely, you have that within you. Everyone does, but they got to be able to tap into what really is meaningful to them to awaken it. I'm so glad that we're starting the show talking about this today because so many people have spent the last year struggling and we're still, I, I think, almost hanging on to that struggle. We were talking about how to find your purpose and how you found your purpose. Now, this past year has been difficult for a lot of people, and People are still telling me they feel overwhelmed right now. They're worried about the necessities of life, like paying bills and feeding their family and keeping a roof over their head. How can people pursue their goals when they're worried about the basic necessities? Well, very commonly, you know, as as Maslow wisely stated years ago in his personality and motivation that, 
you know, when you're in a kind of a suicidal survival mode, you're you're wanting food, reproduction, shelter, and clothing kind of things. And when you're in that, you're not thinking of, you know, abstract constructs as living a purpose for service for other people. You're just interested in survival. Mm-hmm. But once those are in place, then you start thinking, oh, well, now I want to protect those suckers. I want to protect my house, protect my food and clothing and my uh, man or woman. And so you move up kind of the Maslow's hierarchy there, and you eventually you move to the point where now you got that, and now you start thinking, well, I want to show it off now. And after you show it off, you want to make a difference in other people, and then finally you move on to self-actualizing things like living amazing purpose. But the real truth is deep inside, even though you're in a moment of you know, challenge, the purpose is still sitting there. And deep inside, our highest value, our highest aspiration, the thing that's most priority and meaningful in our lives, ultimately inside us, is still waiting and calling from within, wanting to surface and shine and, and share from without. And so uh, tapping into that is what actually gives meaning to what we're going through, the challenges. So it's, it's important, to, even if we are in a challenging moment, to find out what that is that's yearning to express itself, that real service that we have for the world. Because if we're not here to, if we don't go out and serve people, we have financial problems. If we, if we find out what that service is and get on with doing it and provide that service and charge a fair fee for it, our economic challenges take, you know, dissolve away. So inside our lives, it's always there. It's always waiting to surface. And maybe I can give in a few minutes or I can give a couple of ideas on what they can do to uncover that. You can, yes, go ahead. Before we go into that, um, you were just talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If for people who don't, aren't familiar with it, this fellow named Maslow made, um, it's kind of like a, a pyramid, and at the bottom were things, basic necessities, and then as you move up, you go to what you were talking about, self-actualizing, which is, you know, higher level aspirations. And he was just explaining how, Maslow was explaining how people, would you say, prioritize their needs in life? Well, that's exactly it. Uh, You know, I always say if you want to awaken what your mission is, there's a number of factors. I, I can go through a few of them here. Number one is you want to look at what does your life demonstrate is most consistently most important. You know, if you look at my life, obviously nobody has to get me up in the morning to research, write, travel, and teach. So those are obviously highest on my values and really what I dedicate my life to. But what it is that you get up to that you that nobody has to remind you to do, nobody has to motivate you to do, you're inspired to get up and do it, you just do it because you love it, this is what it is, that's where your purpose revolves. That's where, because, you know, when you're doing something you love and loving what you do, you don't need outside motivation. And getting that and tapping into that and finding out how you can bring that to the world and be of service and charge for that so your vocation and vacation are the same, that's the secret. That's where you tap into the potentials to make more wealth and potentials to make a difference. And uh, so the first is look at what you're dedicated to do that nobody has to mind you have to, to, to do in the morning. The second thing is look at what has inspired you throughout most of your life and the people who have inspired you throughout most of your life, there's a common thread to that, and it will match what I just mentioned a second earlier on what it is that's most inspiring to you and what you can't wait to get up in the morning and do. They'll be the same. And then if you look at what are the most common themes upon things you've ever studied, read, or learned about, you'll find there's a common thing that you keep wanting to learn and read and study and find out what that is, and that will also link to that highest value and that highest purpose in life. And then if you look at um, what it is that has been your career path, you'll find that all of the, the jobs that you've had or the careers that you've had, there's some common threads to all of them that are guiding you to do something. If you look at the common thread to it, what it is, you'll see that it's also linked to that. 
And then if you look at the relationships and looked at what you've learned from the relationships you've been in, they're giving you feedback. Everything in your life is actually trying to get you to be authentic and, in, and living an inspired life. And anytime you're basically assuming that there's a mistake in the world or a mistake in your life, it's because you're comparing what it is that's inspiring to you to somebody else's injected ideals that you're trying to live by instead of being true to yourself. And you weigh yourself down with that. The key is to be authentic to yourself and let these guiding feedback mechanisms guide you to do something inspiring and meaningful to the world. Now, what if, you know, I, I have people say to me all the time, and, and I love how you, how you talk to, how you, how you deal with these situations, so I want to bring this out in the show. People say to me, oh, I need some motivation. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm not passionate about anything and, you know, I know if we dig, dig down deep enough, we can stir something up with them, but they need the inspiration to follow through. And I don't believe people need motivation. I agree with you. For living our purpose and following our goal and doing what we're meant to be doing, I don't need any energy to get up in the morning and, and go do this show or to go talk to people because I love to do it. And we always have enough energy and motivation to do whatever is necessary when we love what we do. That's so true. You know, I always say that there's only, when, when a person's not clear and they're clouded, it's because they have one of seven fears clouding them. And the first one is the fear of somehow breaking the morals and ethics of some spiritual authority. Many times people are trying to live somebody else's life, some spiritual guiding authority's life, and trying to be something they're not. And I find this a lot. I mean, I, I watched a gentleman in Durban, South Africa, who came to my program that was afraid to take notes in my seminar because he couldn't take notes until set, uh, the sunset on Saturday. And so his religious belief system was holding him back from being authentic with himself, and he was trying to kind of subordinate to some dogma by some institution and religious construct that predated him. And I was saying, well, you know, if you do that, you're not going to be your truly inspired self. You're going to be sitting there living in constraints. And um, so that's one. And the second one is the fear of not being smart enough or degreed enough or intelligent or creative or imaginative enough. And so what we do is we subordinate to others who we think have more of those character traits, and we think that somehow we don't have enough of them, and then we end up clouding what we really want to do because we don't think we can do it compared to somebody else. And the next one is the fear of re somehow failure. We're afraid if we go out and do it, we might fail at it, but that's also a subordination to somebody we think has more success than us that in actuality doesn't, but we think they do. And then the fear of losing money or not making money is another one. Again, when we subordinate to people we think have more money than us, we get that. And then if we have the fear of losing loved ones or the respect of loved ones, but that's, again, a subordination to somebody we think has something of an infatuation we have and that we think we're going to lose somebody that we're giving them, giving them power. And then the fear of uh, rejection from people is, again, subordination to somebody we think is more important than us out in society. And then the last one is the fear of not having the vitality or the looks or the beauty to do it. And this is, again, subordination to somebody that we think has more beauty or vitality than us. So all of the fears that cloud us, that make us lie to ourselves about what we really want to do, uh, are subordinations to people that we have given power to and we think they have more than us. And as long as we compare our lives to other people, instead of compare our lives to our dreams, we're going to hold ourselves back and cloud the clarity of our mission that's trying to be uncovered inside us. I see that so often. I see it with, say, people who have gotten lost in a corporate culture. You talked about religion. Sometimes we get 
caught up in our responsibilities and we let stuff go and we lose we lose our direction and we lose that that attachment to where we need to go and where, what we need to be doing. Um, I like your perspective on retirement. So often people are working towards their retirement, and you don't work towards your retirement. <laughs> people, people ask me, what do you do for vacation? I said, hell, my life's a friggin' vacation, baby. I, I, I think it's so funny because they go, what do you do? I, I have a funny story. I was in um, Hua Hin, China. Or, no, no, Thai, pardon me, uh, uh, Thailand. And... Um, uh, near the South Shore there, and it was interesting. I was at a resort there, and I was speaking to a wellness and um, summit, and it was basically uh, spas and uh, hotels and wellness uh, industry big conference, and they had me as a uh, you know keynote speaker. And um, afterwards, I had a press conference. We had like 40 people from the press. I mean, television, media, newspapers, magazines, all these different people out there. And we're sitting in the lobby. And if you can imagine this, there was a giant, God, 40 to 50-foot waterfall. There were goldfish in ponds. There was orchids everywhere. There was beautiful glass. There was outside, there was beaches and beautiful palms and sunny, sandy beaches and beautiful bikinied women everywhere. And, and I, had, I was being escorted by the most beautiful woman in Thailand, Miss Thailand, and she was my escort, and I was being paid sums of money to speak, and she, this lady from the media said, Dr. Martini, I look at your schedule, it's very busy, what do you do for vacation? Ma'am, I said, my freaking life is a vacation. I said, this is a vacation. Your meeting with me is a vacation. And she couldn't get it. She was thinking, well, where do you go for vacation? I said, well, you know, if you make your life, your vocation and vacation the same, you don't think about vacation. You just do what you love doing. Mm-hmm. I, did you say I travel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I told her, I, said, I go from I one resort to the other. Time. I don't understand why I would make, make a vacation from what I'm doing. I love what I do. This is what I set out to do. This is my dream vacation. Now, we, you also visualize what you want. You keep an extensive diary. You keep a very extensive, you keep a, more of an extensive diary than anybody I have ever met. I, I'm and neurotic, aren't I? I, 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 <laughs> I have this massive book. It's 800-something pages now, uh, and it is very detailed. I mean, I work on details of the how I want my life. And I type up, I'll maybe work on for hours on one paragraph just to get exactly how I want my life to be. And I'm amazed how manifest, I'm just inspired by what happens. And I keep record of everything that I'm grateful for, everything that I get to accomplish, everything that I set out for, I, I document. I mean, I'm, I'm very neurotic about it because I found that by doing that, the time spent increases the odds and the probabilities of achieving what I've set out for. So I'm a firm believer in that. And I, so I have the largest collection of thank yous, the largest collection of accomplishment lists, um, and goal lists of anybody I know. When uh, What amazes me is how you find the time to do this. We're going to talk about that when uh, we get back after this break. Listening to the Dream Big Revolution with your host Leanne Hilgers. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. This is Leanne Hilgers, and I have Dr. John F. Demartini on the line today. We're talking about defining your purpose and goals. We were talking about how you get so much done during the day, and this is a wonderful, wonderful lesson in, in how how we can possibly accomplish so much in a day and not feeling overwhelmed and. You have a very specific way that you prioritize your daily activities. 
Well, you know, I'm a firm believer in uh, priority. I mean, I, I prioritizing. I I definitely delegate. I, I years ago I started writing down the things that I did that I thought were the most priorities for the day. I'd get up in the morning and I'd write out the six or seven highest priority actions I could do that day to help me fulfill my dreams. And I wrote them out and I kept them records of them. And then I looked at what was the most common ones repeated. And I found out that there were four things that repeatedly showed up more than anything, and that was research, write, travel, and teach. And then what I did is I said, all right, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to delegate everything else out. So I kept looking for people that I could hire to get the other stuff off my back. So I basically let go of everything else but those four things. And I basically have people now all over the world that take care of all the other stuff for me. So I just basically research, write, travel, and teach. Don't do much else. And uh, those are the things that I do best. Those are the things that I'm inspired by. Those are what I love spending my day doing. And so I always say that prioritize what you do and eventually follow Ricardo's law by hiring people to do the things that need to be done that are lower priority on the list that allow you to produce more with the time that's left. And if you do, if you can produce more than the cost of delegating, you, you never stop. You just keep going and keep delegating and produce more and keep delegating and produce more and keep getting uh, Ricardo's Law, which allows you to make more income for less time that way. And even though they're lower on your priority list for the people that you are hiring, it may not be lower on theirs. No, it's exactly it. You want to hire people that are inspired by that. It's the highest on theirs. You know, when you hire somebody... If they can't see how the job description that you need to be done is linked to their highest values, they're not going to want to do it. So you always want to make sure that when you're hiring somebody that you find out what their highest values are and um, then go and actually determine what the job description is and make sure that they see the connection. If they can't answer in two seconds how what you're going to have them do matches their highest values, then they're, not, they're going to need outside motivation to get them to do it. You've got the wrong person. You know, I have a process on my website, that basically a, a value-determining process. If a person wants to go to, they can go in there and determine how to determine your values so you can find out. Because whenever you're living according to your highest values, you, you vitalize yourself. You have more energy. You're more inspired. You are more purposeful. So I, I let make sure if I hire somebody, I get somebody that matches that. Because then I don't have to worry about it. They'll be accountable, and I can get on with the things that I love doing. That is a really good um, point that we haven't talked about People will hire and they'll try to get people to mold their values into corporate culture or, you know, and inspire them towards the corporate goals. And that was one of the reasons why in the beginning of the show I said your goals are not something that someone else sets for you. These are things that you need to achieve because when you force somebody to to run down a certain path, they're not going to run like, they would if it was their own goals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Well, see, nobody goes to work for the sake of a company. As much as the fantasy is, the reality is that people only go to work to fulfill their values. And as long as they're getting their values met, they're inspired at work. So the, the person who manages the company or leader of the company, if they ever expect somebody to just come on board and just assume that, you know, this, this corporate value is the way it should be, they've got a long, to, a long thing to learn. The reality is that people are there to fulfill their values, and if the leader can communicate the necessity of what's needed in the company in terms of those people's values and hire people that want to fulfill those responsibilities, man, the job is easier. People are inspired. And, and Peter Lynch said that if you have gratitude for your job, love what you're doing, inspired by the vision, enthusiastically working, you've got a company that's going to go up. If you don't have those four things, the company goes down. 
That's a really important point that you're making. I, you know, what if somebody, you know, they're working towards their goals or their dreams, say they're doing something in their spare time. What if, though, during the day they hate their job? And I, I love the things that you advise about this, but what if, I, I know we have to feed the goose that pays the golden egg, but... What, what if they just hate their job? Well, anytime somebody hates their job, you know, there's two options. What you do is you make a list of everything that you do in that job, the job description, in other words. You make a list of it. Then you go and identify off my website the, the value determining process and determine what your real values are don't, so you don't guess. And then what you do is you ask, how is that job description? Take each item on the job description. How specifically does that help you fulfill what's most meaningful to you? If you can't see it, you're going to be hating your job. But if you answer that question and don't stop and say it doesn't help, answer how could it help? Because never what is happening to you or what you do that matters. It's your perception of it. So if you can ask how specifically is this job description helping me in my long-term vision and dreams and answer that question 30, 40, 50 times until you actually do see the connection, you can inspire a job that seems to be yucky into something that could be a bucky. You know, turn the yuckies into buckies by, by going and linking what it is you're doing into, into what is meaningful to you. I mean, I, do, I get paid by corporations to take teams that aren't as productive to do exactly that exercise, to find out the job description and actually determine the hierarchy of values and link them together and then link that, uh, their values to the vision of the company. And those people, I mean, it's amazing. It's like a day and night. Their, their entire energy level goes up. Their focus and their productivity goes up the second you do. So even if you are in a job that you're not inspired by, it doesn't mean you have to stay uninspired. You can get inspired. But I assure you that if you don't define what it is that you'd rather be doing and put out a job, um, you know, kind of a strategy and goal plan on how you're going to go and do it, you're going to be stuck in a job that's not inspiring, and you're going to have to do this exercise to get inspired. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly. Yeah, I always say that, uh, you know, it's never what happens to you. It's your perception, and you have the ability to take anything that happens to you and turn it to your advantage and see how it serves your mission. Anything you can't say thank, thank you for and are grateful for is baggage. And if you uh, ask the right question, you can turn anything into something to say thank you for because everything serves you in your life. So how can people get past that, where now they're inspired to go after what they want out of life, how can they get find the courage and get past the fears and, and make those changes in their life? Well, I always say that uh, if you don't fill your day with high-priority things, it's going to get filled with low. If you don't empower your life by going after what's inspiring to you, you're going to get uh, disempowered by people telling you what to do. So you have to define what it is that you love and give yourself permission to go after it first. Then put together your strategy and plan of action so you feel like you know, you've got a pathway to go and do it. Otherwise, you're automatically going to have fear. Fear is an unclear goal. And once you're clear about it and you got your pathway, some of the fears are dissolved. And fear is basically an assumption there's going to be a drawback without a benefit or a loss without a gain or a negative without a positive. And there isn't such a thing. There's always two sides to every event. So if you go through and you have a history of events in the past that you think have caused more pain than pleasure, go back and find out what were the benefits of it and clear out all your past emotional baggage so you don't have a history that drives you to have fear of the future. So if you clear out your baggage, you get uh, strategy in place, you get clear about your goals, and you start taking baby steps uh, that, towards it because little, you know, little steps make big dreams and piggy banks become biggie banks, as they say. If you keep working towards it, then all of a sudden the fears are dissolved and the actions are taken and you accomplish.
You're listening to the Dream Big Revolution with your host, Leanne Hilgers. 